Hi everyone, you're listening to On One Condition, a podcast to raise awareness about health conditions by listening to people who live with them every day. My guest today is Jay Unwin, and we're going to talk about fibromyalgia. Hi Jay, how are you doing? I'm great, Sylvan. Really uh, appreciate the invite. It's uh, it's it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, no, thank you. Uh, it's always uh, tricky to be the first one on a show like this, so uh, I really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for trusting me to be the first. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so today we're we're going to talk about uh, a condition that affects you. Um, but before that, uh, I like asking my guests about a song that is uh, meaningful to them. Uh, but uh, as you're not like everyone else, <laughs> I hear that uh, you haven't selected a song but an album. So do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, I will. So um, just as a bit of a backstory um, in terms of why this why this particular album is so uh, was so pivotal for me, um, I. I'd, I'd always listened to a lot of music kind of growing up. There's always music around in the house. My mum and dad both were very much into music. Um, we always had the radio on as well and things like that. And, and a lot of the stuff that I'd heard, um, you know, from friends at school and things like that was fairly mainstream. You know, I, I was in my early teens and most of my friends at school were listening to fairly mainstream stuff at this point. And I remember being on a field trip, um, a school field trip, which had been opened up to my year group because there were still a few spaces left. It was supposed to be for the year above that were the year 10s at the time. So about, you know, 15 years old. I was 14 years old. I was in year nine and they wanted to fill these extra spaces with with some with a few people from our year. And I jumped at it. It was uh, in a place called Abbot Glaslin in North Wales. And it looked like a great residential field trip. Um, so I was hanging out with kids that were year, the year above me, which obviously doesn't normally happen in schools. A lot of the time, you know, you're kind of you you hang out in your own year groups most of the time. Um, and I remember in the common room of this residential uh, stay that a few of the lads were listening to some music that I'd never really heard before. Now, at this point, I'd already started being introduced to kind of uh, punk, late kind of late 90s, early 2000s punk, skate punk, stuff like that. Um, no Effects were one of my favorite bands at this point, which I, I know that um, it appeals to you very much as well. Um, but it I does indeed. That was um, that. That was kind of still fairly um, popular at that time, uh, and and then these guys introduced me to this album, which I'd never heard anything like at the time. I'd, I'd they'd put it on this stereo, and I was just like, "What is this?" Uh, and the album was White Pony by Deftones, and this was the first kind of metal album that I'd ever listened to. And you know, arguably, it's not it's not particularly there's heavy points on this album, but it's not it's quite it's a bit it was a it was a departure from their previous stuff. Now I've kind of gone back and listened to other things. It was their third album. Their first two albums were a little bit different. This one was a bit more interesting, a bit more intellectual in various ways. Um, there was some, there was some kind of quieter, more atmospheric stuff on there. And, but, but the, the feel that I got from it was just unlike anything I'd heard before. And this album, uh, was like a gateway drug for me and it moved me into these okay. kind of these, these genres of music that I'd never listened to before, but became 
um, instrumental in my development through my kind of mid-teens, uh, late teens, and onwards since then. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily my favourite album of all time these days. I've heard other albums that I prefer. Um, mm-hmm. It's still up there, but I think that that might be partly because of the historical significance for me um, as well. You know, metal has been there now as a kind of uh, a close friend for a long time, and it's got me through um, some some pretty tough times over the years uh, through feeling like I wasn't alone. You know, the, the the lyrics that this music kind of talks about and the the, the concepts uh, they they weren't really present in mainstream music, at least not back then. Um, mm-hmm. and it made me feel less alone when I was struggling with things like depression and stuff like that. Um, so okay. that was, yeah, that was an instrumental thing for me and, I, and, and has gone on to have a very big impact on my life. And I like the, that's why I like talking about music because it has such a, a powerful way of making people feel better or, um, also like helping sometimes at least for me um feel my my emotions in a, in a different way um so yeah i love that about music and i like the fact that you also got into metal through people who introduced you to it um for me the the person who introduced me to music was uh, uh my brother and uh like getting some influence from someone else usually gives you the kickstart to, to then look into it yourself. So I love that. Um, great. Well, thank you. I'll listen to it myself because I'm curious about it now. Um, so today we want to talk about fibromyalgia. Uh, personally, I don't know much about it. Uh, I see how it affects you from time to time. Uh, but for people like me who don't know uh, what it is, uh, how would you explain it? So I think one of the challenges with something like fibromyalgia is that it, like, even the experts aren't really sure what it is from a mechanistic kind of perspective. In terms of the symptoms, it's, it's mainly um, kind of signified by chronic fatigue, chronic widespread pain, sensitivity to um you know physical sensitivity to pain and touch and stuff like that but also uh it can include elements of sensitivity to other sensations bright light um noise things like that as well um there's a there's a kind of school of thought around it being neurological in origin but it's there's there's no real tests for it it's almost like a series of ruling other things out so i had a lot of tests for autoimmune conditions like lupus and things like that um Mm -hmm. i had nerve conduction tests i had mri scans um they were looking for things like um ms multiple sclerosis and stuff like that as well because of, of how that can kind of have some similar or i guess at least parallel symptoms um the one of the biggest kind of challenges with it as well is that the inconsistency of it um sometimes you can be feeling pretty decent and other times you can be feeling terrible and i think that throws people off who are living with the condition but also people who are who know people with the condition because some days they might seem fine uh, and and can do lots of stuff and other days they don't 
certain things that I found that can trigger flare-ups as well are, are, are kind of stressful situations whether that's kind of a physical strain a physical stress going through a lot you know doing something physically tough very physically tough can lead to an increase in kind of the symptoms also going through kind of uh, mental stress or emotional stress can really um, flare up the symptoms and has been suggested can cause the condition to start in the first place as well so like a severe physical trauma or a severe mm-hmm. um emotional trauma can lead to the kind of onset of these symptoms in the first place um but the the actual research into it hasn't been successful in finding a clear cause across the board for everyone um who's living with this it's linked in some ways to things like me and chronic fatigue syndrome um yeah and also now with the kind of last few years of covid and the associated post viral fatigue or long covid as 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 it has been termed has led to an increase in the research um being done because there's a lot of research going into long covid specifically but that crosses over to chronic fatigue syndrome it crosses over to um fibromyalgia as well because there's there are so many so many links um, post-viral fatigue has been a thing for a long time we've known about it for a long time um, but it seems to just be getting a bit of a resurgence in interest because of uh, because of the widespread nature of covid a lot of people have um you know have been through the mill with that and are now having kind of long-term effects so it's kind of sparked a bit more bit more research which hopefully will lead to some more um interesting discoveries which are, which are useful across the board um yeah i mean i had glandular fever um or mono depending on where in the world you're listening to this um and and i had that when i was just before i was 16 and i had post-viral fatigue for about six months i was off school for three months with it Um, six months really yeah i had so i had fatigue for six months i was off school for three months this was in year 11 um so it's kind of my gcse's year uh so it would have been what like 2000 and 2001 something like that so over 20 years okay and um so you know post-viral fatigue even for me isn't a new thing but i just think that maybe it's it's in the public consciousness again a little bit more these days yeah you definitely hear about it uh much more um so you mentioned a few symptoms do and you mentioned like that it can flare up at that any time uh but do all the symptoms come together or do you feel certain symptoms at, at certain times and others at other times how does that, that work it, it's again it's it's so unpredictable sometimes i'll have if i have a really bad flare-up um which i have had in the past where i've had a, a kind of either a few weeks or even a few months where the symptoms are quite bad um and and quite often there'll be multiple symptoms the pain i mean anyone who's been through kind of chronic pain for whatever reason will understand how exhausting that is so if you've already got fatigue as a symptom and then you're going through chronic pain as well the that exacerbates the 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 fatigue as well and you just feel exhausted all the time um and often that kind of there's this brain fog kind of feeling as well which is quite often associated with fibromyalgia where you feel like you can't think properly for me i often describe it as my head feeling like it's full of cotton wool there's just it i just can't think really? it's fuzzy and um that can be really challenging do you think that's 
Hope. Do you think that's related? Do you think that's related to the pain? Like I think that, it's, the, the I pain think it's itself its own, is overflowing, um, or I think it's got its own kind of it's its own thing. It's its own symptom, but I think it's made worse by the pain and it's made worse by the fatigue as well. Because when you're tired, you your brain doesn't work as effectively, and you're more confused, and your cognitive functions are decreased. And also, when you're in pain, they are. So I think they all play off each other. But then there's other symptoms which go along with it as well. Um, things like this. I mean, obviously, the sensitivities can be linked to that as well. Also, um, IBS is a common symptom of it as well. Um, so sometimes they'll all come together and they'll feed off each other. But other times it will be like, oh, actually, I feel quite alert and I don't feel too tired and um, I'm not in much pain, but my IBS is really bad. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's, okay. always, it's always something. Um, but it's so, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they come together, sometimes they don't. It's It really is quite unpredictable. Um, and how so? How did you realize that you had? Well, I, I know you said that you had to go through multiple tests, but like, when was the first time that you felt that there was something different, and that prompted you to go and get it checked? So I, I went, and it was it's a, quite an interesting one from from a um, hindsight perspective because once I knew that this was what was going on. Um, I kind of looked back and went, oh, okay, I can see where this has caused other issues throughout without me kind of knowing that's what it was. Um, mm -hmm. I, I got my diagnosis in 2020, so it's not that long ago. Um, and the thing which had prompted that was towards the end of 2019, I had um, I started struggling quite a lot with fatigue. And I started struggling okay. quite a lot with pain, particularly in my right arm at this time, um, to the point where like my grip strength just went completely. I was working in a gym at the time and I was unable to like, I, I stopped being able to demonstrate exercises and things like that because my right arm just kind of gave up working. Um, really? it was very cold. Uh, and the gym that I worked in was like a, on an industrial estate. So it wasn't a warm place. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It's fine for those who were working out, but for those of us leading the sessions where we were moving a little bit less, it was um, it was quite cold. Um, <laughs> so my right arm essentially, to to a point, stopped working alongside the kind of fatigue and things like that. Yeah. Um, I remember at one point as well, I had my hand trapped in a pile of dumbbells and didn't realise. So it was like quite dangerous. Really? Like I got my hand trapped between a couple of dumbbells when I was re-racking some weights. And I turned around to walk away and I couldn't get away because I was just like, oh, what's going on here then? And I turned around and my hand was just stuck between two dumbbells. So I was quite lucky. So, that... you, you, so you completely lost feeling then? Yeah, yeah. It was like a, like a really? neuropathy. Okay. Um, yeah. my, my, my arm had just, there was the, the motor neurons weren't really working because i couldn't really move it effectively but also the sensory neurons seem to be up the creek as well um but th this is kind of what prompted me to go and go get checked out now i don't know whether this is necessarily related or not because it, it seems very specific and it was in one place and it didn't change for a long time but this was over the winter of 2019 into 2020 when it got to kind of like january february 2020 it was just like I, this is i'm really struggling to function here um and so i wanted to go and see a neurologist and have some nerve conduction tests done because I was thinking I've got, I've got an issue here with, with my nerves. Um, maybe there's a trap nerve in my shoulder. The doctor had suggested that might be the case that if there was a trap nerve in my shoulder, 
that could be causing this kind of problem. Um, and there were other things alongside it, but this was the main thing. And so I, I got put on, uh, I got referred to a neurologist. The waiting list was was a long old wait. And so in the I'm, and I'm, I'm talking like maybe six months at this point. Six and, months, wow. Yeah, so and it, it was COVID at that time uh, as well, wasn't it? Like six months. But then a month later, we had this thing happen um, where everything closed and uh, and we all got panicked that it was, you know, the zombie apocalypse and everyone bought as much pasta and rice and toilet roll as they could. Um, <laughs> In the UK, at least, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, weird <laughs> yeah. times when you look back at it. And yeah. And, uh the gym that i worked in closed because everything had closed um which meant that you know i didn't have to do that job that i was struggling with anyway but it also meant that the waiting list then got longer um now in that period um i was just like well i can't just wait for that i need to go and get some other checks and i I, being me being a massive nerd i was reading up on loads of stuff and i started thinking okay there's a history of autoimmune conditions in my family Maybe it's something along those lines. I was Googling symptoms, which is, you know, never a good idea. Um, but it was coming up with various things around, you know, lupus, as I mentioned earlier on, and um, MS with regards to the nervous system. And and I was just like, right, I'm, I'm going to go and see if I can get referred to a rheumatologist as well, get some, uh, get some tests done with regards to autoimmune conditions. Waiting list was okay. a little bit less for that. So... I ended up getting an appointment still kind of late summer, I think this was maybe into the autumn. Um, and the, the uh, rheumatologist did various tests. Um, they were looking at my circulation in my hands and stuff as well because of this kind of loss of feeling and this coldness as well. It was particularly triggered by coldness. Um, and the rheumatologist did these tests and said, right, it's not autoimmune because these blood tests have come back not showing it's an autoimmune condition. Um, but from the examinations, it suggests that you've got fibromyalgia and um, Raynos, which is, you know, to do with the circulation in your hands and feet and uh, the kind of triggered by cold in particular, um, which kind of explained losing the feeling in my hands when I was working in the gym. Um, and then I looked back and I was like, oh, okay. So when I, I've burned out a couple of times in work, uh, 2011 as a teacher, 2017 as a personal trainer. And I was kind of like looking back at that and going, okay, so the burnouts, because, you know, we hear about this term a lot these days, they could have been, you know, they're often triggered by unmanageable stress. If you have a condition, a long-term chronic condition that is triggered in particular by stress, that's going to make you more susceptible to kind of burning out to use the kind of colloquial term and it's so although yes. i didn't realize this stuff until you know 2020 and i didn't get the diagnosis until then in hindsight when you you know your question was when did i realize that there was something not quite right um mm -hmm. i think looking back there was there's been instances where this has been an issue for me but i just didn't realize it yeah that makes sense and i was i guess that now you know you have it you can like you can feel the symptoms you know what's happening but when you don't it can lead to even more stress i would imagine yeah 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 the the, yeah. the uncertainty is um like it can be really hard for people and i think that there's diagnoses have uh, they're a bit of a double-edged sword sometimes because they can be either a great 
explanation so that people don't feel like they're just imagining these things and like you said it can be a, a way of managing it and going okay I need to know that I can't necessarily do the things all the time that other people do and that's cool and yeah. I've kind of got um, I've got a good reason to justify actually you know what I can't do that today or this mm-hmm. week because um, I need to manage yeah. my energy most effectively um, but I think that there's the, the other side of it is sometimes that people can feel disempowered um, and they feel like if they've been given a diagnosis of a chronic condition, that's kind of, that's it. That's the end. That's, they, they're going to, um, struggle with everything for the rest of their life. And, um, they're somehow yeah, broken. that's what, that would be what defines them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving so forward. That, yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, how I, we I, take I the that. diagnosis and how we use that individually, how we use that information, how we process it is vital because the diagnosis is just data, um, the meaning we then attach to it is really up to us. And it can be challenging. You know, I'm technically disabled and that was a really big kind of thing for me to process. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. like to, to go from being someone who'd always um, uh, been very, oh, I say always, but for a long time being very active and, and kind of what I, what I did with, with regards to kind of fitness and wellbeing and stuff was a big part of my identity. Um, and, and so there was a grieving process, you know, like you grieve in the same way as you grieve when you go through a bereavement, you grieve when you lose your physical abilities to do certain things. Yeah. And so yeah. there was that denial and anger and all of those usual stages of grief. Um, okay. And so I think that we, it's important to, and that's why I, I love what you're doing with this podcast, because I think that, you know, it's good for people to understand it who perhaps haven't come across the conditions before, but also for people who are living with the conditions to think, actually, do you know what? It's not, it, I'm not the only person going through this. There are other people who have these conditions and they still have a great quality of life and I don't need to give up everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very, very good point. Uh, and hopefully it does help uh, having having those discussions and, and sharing uh, about those conditions. Um so you mentioned like managing it uh, from what you've described. It, it sounds like it's something that happens when you, you don't actually expect it. Uh, one day you could feel very good. The next day feel very bad. So how do you manage that? You, you talked about like your energy level. How do you work with, with the condition essentially? Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a guessing game sometimes. Um, like I do what I can with regards to not overdoing it. Um, trying not to measure my own productivity against other people. I'm a kind of recovering perfectionist. And it's arguably why I burned out as a teacher and as a personal trainer, because I, I, um, I was workaholic. I just, I wanted to always make things better and do a bit more and, um, I've had to kind of wind that in a bit and and mm-hmm. be okay with stuff being good enough. So I've kind of reduced, I'm lucky, I'm, you know, I'm very privileged to work for myself. So I've kind of managed to um, change my working routine to be quite allow, uh, allowing of, <laughs> my grammar's gone um the brain fog <laughs> to allow some flexibility fog. yeah <laughs> yeah so um so i can i i can i don't work as many hours as perhaps i would have done in the past um okay. i also have flexibility in that 
if I'm having a really bad day and I've got meetings, I will push those meetings back and I'll say, hey, can we rearrange because I'm having a bad day? Um, okay. People are mostly understanding of that. I think that even if people mm-hmm. don't understand the condition, I think that, that things are talked about much more these days. And I think that when when people have to move appointments due to their health, due to their well-being, whether it's physical or mental, most people are understanding. Um, if they're not understanding when I do that, it's usually a sign that I don't really want to work with them anyway. Let's let's be just completely honest about it. Um, so That's a very good point, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, okay, if they're going to be a problem about this now, how's it going to be further down the line? Um, yeah. It helps that because I work in fitness and well-being that I justify it as I am practicing what I preach. I talk about mm-hmm. boundaries and I talk about um, self-awareness. And so if I try and push through and do something when I'm really not able to, I'm not um, representing that message very well. I do still yeah. find it challenging, especially if I've been booked to give a talk or something like that, which I have had to cancel in the past or not cancel, but postpone in the past when I've been um, booked to deliver a talk and I've had to go, I'm really not well. I'm going to, we're going to have to rearrange for another date. And I hate that. Like I find it so difficult to do. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I could just push through and do it. But um, that that's not really fair because I'm not going to give my best because I'm not you know and then the company aren't going to be getting what they're what they're paying for so i i do find it a, tr- a challenge still um to have those boundaries and also to be able to kind of um put my well-being first but it does help that i yeah. it's 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 the message in terms of the energy thing it's an interesting one with energy because there's this there's a few things around chronic illness which if you kind of do a bit of searching online. You can come across some great articles and blogs and stuff that people have written who live with these conditions um, about something called spoon theory, which is that you have a certain number of... I, it, spoon seems like a random object to use, but it was because the first person who kind of explained this, they were explaining it to their friend and they were in a cafe and they just had some spoons, you know, they, they just <laughs> to be there, right? And, and yeah. that's what they used and it's become a thing. Um, the... Um, the idea is that every day you have a certain number of spoons and uh, when you use them up, they're gone and then you have no other spoons. And different activities cost different amounts of spoons. Um, oh, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, people who don't have a chronic condition, um, you know that you've got all these spoons and you're like, okay, getting up in the morning and having a shower and getting dressed, there's a, there's one spoon. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, getting the kids ready for school, there's two spoons um driving to work there's a spoon your working day there's five or six spoons you know and and, and you use them up throughout the day and then the next day you wake up and there's more now with yeah. with a chronic illness there's a couple of different things to this one is sometimes you don't know how many spoons you've got yeah. and the other is that sometimes getting dressed getting out of bed and getting showered and dressed costs one spoon sometimes it takes all of the spoons you've got um, and and you don't really know, and it's like okay, if that's the if that was if you're talking to someone who doesn't live with a condition uh, like that, and you said okay, if you didn't know how many spoons you ha- you'd have, how would you feel about spending them? It's like people don't, you know, you'd be a bit more wary of it, right? If you didn't know how yeah. many spoons that activity was going to take as well, on top of that, if you have that double uncertainty, what would you do? It's like well, I would look at right, what do I? What's the what are the most important things here? Um, some days it might just be 
I'm, I get out, I get out of bed, I have a shower and I get dressed and that's me done for the day. Luckily, yeah, okay. days are few and far between. Um, but mean, but looking after myself, looking after my well-being physically and mentally, managing my stress levels, staying physically active when I can, um, eating reasonably well. I don't smoke. I don't drink a lot. I used to be quite bad mm-hmm. at alcohol, um, which is obviously a physical stress on the body. Uh, yeah. Now I, I, I have a drink now and again, but I don't, I don't drink like I used to. Um, probably be better if I didn't at all. However, then you could argue that that's part of my social life and the, my, my enjoyment. Um, and it actually reduces stress because it gets me out and it gets me around people. And again, maybe I'm justifying it, but I'm happy with it. You know, we've all got our own choices. Um, so yeah, and it, it sounds like you're well, like, hey? you, you're managing it. It sounds like it's part of, of what you enjoy. So, uh, and from what you've, you've been saying it, it, it's a it's finding this right balance it is it really um, is about the balance yeah but it's interesting because so i know you i see how active you are and the 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 picture you're drawing is not the picture that i see Mm. um because you, you are very active you're very fit uh, yeah. and you do a lot, but now I, I realize that you probably, and tell me if, if that's not right, but you probably always have a something at the back of your mind that tells you, okay, maybe now I can do this, but I need to be careful. Or if I do this, that could mean that uh, I'm not going to be well, and that could affect my work or my social life. So maybe I shouldn't do it, actually. Is that fair to say or not? Yeah, it is. It is. And it is, it is like you said, it's that thing in the back of your mind where you're just constantly aware of um, limitations. And I think, you know, we've all got real limitations. There's a lot of talk about, you know, limitations being all in your mind. They're not. We have real limitations, right? We have real limitations. Mm-hmm. I, I think that with living with a condition like this, one of the key things is understanding what those limitations are. Um, obviously, the biggest challenge there is they can change what those limitations are can change over time. Um, and I have this awareness, like you said, of if I do this thing, I might have a couple of days where I'm paying for it. Um, it's like spoon debt. I've used too many spoons. I've borrowed some. And now the next few days, I'm going to be paying those back. Um, but I've also got this... <laughs> I've also got this kind of approach, which maybe could be a reckless way of doing it, but maybe it's a good thing that allows me to get out and do more stuff, which is I could wake up tomorrow morning and feel rubbish anyway, right? I could wake up tomorrow morning and be feeling in severe widespread pain through my whole body. I could feel fatigued, like to my very core, to my bones kind of tired, um, I could be struggle, struggling to think um, and process the most basic of information. I could struggle to even watch TV or listen to music or read a book because I just can't deal with that level of stimulation. Um, yeah. That could happen having done nothing. So I may as well do something. I see. Right? 
If I'm, if yeah, I can yeah, feel yeah. like that, and uh, like if I don't do something that I want to do today in terms of like the enjoyment, like go for a go for a walk with the family, or or you know, um, go um, go and have a have a surf with my friends, um, or go and have a beer and catch up and listen to some music. Um, if I if I don't do those things for fear of feeling really bad the next day. I go, I'm not going to do it. And then I wake up the next day and I feel bad anyway. I'll be so annoyed that I didn't do that thing because I might as well have done it. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes I, I will that. do those things. Sometimes I will do those things and I'll wake up in the morning and I have this, there's this moment where I go, oh, how do I feel? And I kind of get myself out of bed and I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'm all right. I think I'm okay. And 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 I'll be <laughs> like, okay, I'm, a, I'm all right. My body dealt with this quite well. Um and which is a pleasant surprise. And so I've kind of, yeah. I've got a, I guess it suits my personality as a bit of a risk taker um, at times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that risk because the payoff is worth it. And if it doesn't go my way, I know that I will come back from it eventually. Um, I know yeah. that it might be a day, a couple of days. Maybe, maybe if it's really, if I've really overdone it, it'll be a couple of weeks. But I, th- that's why, to me, it's so important to invest in my well-being so that I know that I can recover from these things, even if it won't be as well as I would have recovered from them um, 15 years ago. It will be yeah. better than if I didn't look after myself. You know, if I drank heavily, smoked, um, had a terrible diet overall, um, didn't do any physical activity, I would be re- I would really struggle a lot more. And so I can't control certain things. There's certain things I can't control, right? Um, yeah. But there are certain things I can control. And for me, that investment and putting that work in when I can, when I'm able to, allows me to have a better quality of life. So I try and accept the things that I can't change and instead look at the things, right, what is within my control? Um, and what is what is the kind of, what's the story I'm going to tell myself about this? What's the language I'm going to use when I talk to myself? And when I talk to mm-hmm. other people, um, because I want to use like, words are powerful, right? And I want to use language that makes me think about the things I'm still able to do. And I'm lucky, you know, I said earlier on, I'm very privileged in, in with regards to the my uh, my work and stuff. I'm privileged in a lot of ways and other people may not have the choices or, that available in front of them, uh, the same choices or the same options as I have, but they will have some options that are available to them. Um, and I feel like, kind of focusing in on what choices are available is usually more useful than focusing on uh, the things which you can't do. Um, it sounds <laughs> like I'm glossing over hardships, but I'm really not to do that. No, no, no. And it makes sense. And like, it's a very good way of looking at situations, like knowing what we, you can control and accept what you can't control. and work with that uh, so no it makes perfect sense and also like what you said about even if you like, i find this very interesting and i can't remember exactly how you said it but like maybe the next day you're, you're not going to feel well anyway so you might as well do something yeah and i guess that's that's a way of making sure that this is not defining you yeah, because you're still doing things that could put you at risk, 
but at the same time, it's things that you enjoy and you're going to get something out of it. Yeah, it's measured risk as well. This is the thing is it's not yeah. like I'm not. It, there's a there's a you know you mentioned balance earlier on and it is it's not like i'm going and oh <laughs> it's not that kind of nihilistic oh everything's rubbish so i might as well just like um go go a bit mad with it all it's more like yeah. um it, it's it's balanced risk it's measured risk it's going it's weighing things up and going is it worth it is it not worth it so it's not like mm-hmm. I'm like it's not that attitude of oh we're all going to die so i'm just going to gamble all my money away and um you know all of that stuff it's like okay yeah is it is this worth it is it not and you've everyone every individual's got to kind of find their own balance whether they're living with a condition like this or not and just going okay what's the worst case scenario what's the best case scenario is it it, like am i willing to take that risk um mm-hmm. and it's, it, that risk is down to two things isn't it it's likelihood and severity so it's like okay how likely is it that this will have a negative impact but then how severe yeah. will that impact be and if it's like i'm going to feel unwell for a couple of days potentially and that's not a 100 likelihood um that's very different to saying Okay, there's there's a ninety nine percent chance that I'm going to break both my legs. That's like, you know, it's it. We've got to weigh <laughs> these things up. So you've got to look at the not just the likelihood of it happening, but the severity as well, and going, okay, is that worth it or not? And it's I, I just think that our adjustment when we become, um, or when we when we live with a condition like this, our processing of that risk can will it will need to change because it is going to be different but i think the danger can be that we suddenly try and wrap ourselves in cotton wool and go oh we can't do anything now um yeah yeah and and i also think that that with conditions that have a level of variability within it i've had this condition for a long time before i before i knew i had it and uh so arguably i mean just to kind of touch on this very briefly i was saying that it can be triggered by a kind of a physical trauma or a mental trauma and that's kind of how a lot of uh, a lot of professionals understand it starting um i had lymphoma as a teenager so when i was 17 i was diagnosed with lymphoma which is like cancer of the lymphatic system and that's where a lot of um people i've spoken to think that my fibromyalgia was was triggered by um the lymphoma in um if we follow that chain back was probably triggered by having had glandular fever because glandular fever mono uh, epstein-barr virus as it's caused by um can be a big trigger for lymphoma because it affects lymph glands that's why you know glandular fever glands are up in your neck um i had it in in my neck um had three tumors and the 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 general kind of consensus with my doctors is that's probably what kickstarted the fibromyalgia now that was when i was like i was diagnosed when i was 17 you know i'm 37 now so 20 years ago um i potentially had this condition for 20 years without realizing it but i look back and go okay there's been points in my life where i've where i can see where this has been a challenge but there are other parts of my life where my where actually um I was, I've been at my fittest and healthiest within that time period as well. So like the summer of 2019, before this whole thing happened with my arm, I was the fittest and strongest I'd ever been. And so that gives me hope that just because I have a diagnosis now, 
that diagnosis wasn't the point the condition started. That was the point it was given a name. The condition has been around a lot longer than that for me. And I have had long periods of time where I've been pretty fine. And that gives me hope that that will occur again in the future. Um, yeah. we'll have stretches of months or potentially years where my, where essentially my condition is in, or the symptoms are in remission and yeah. I'm not struggling with pain on a daily basis. I'm not so fatigued that I, that I struggle to do everyday tasks. Um, even now I'm, I'm so much more well at the moment than I was a couple of years ago. And I know that that could potentially continue to improve. So I think having hope that that could happen, but tempered with the realism of it could go the other direction um, is important. It's it's almost like you have to accept that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, that's a very nice message on of hope um, to, to conclude the 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 show today actually um but before we do that um i have a a final question for you if you don't mind go for it um what would you say is your happy place like my happy place place. yes a place where you feel at peace and that you love to go to okay that's a great question um I I don't think this will surprise you very much because you know me. Um, I I find that although there's a couple of options, I'm not going to give you one because it depends on the mood I'm in. Actually, a bit like I, you know, like we said at the start, I'm special. I'm not going to give you a song. I'm going to give you an album. Um, I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to give my my own uh, my own thoughts. Um, one of them is the beach. Okay. Um, which I imagine isn't a great surprise to you, so well. Um, Not at all. <laughs> but also the moors. So we're obviously on the kind of edge of Dartmoor um, or in the woods or by a river or on the river. So, so nature in general then. Exactly. So anything, so yeah. I'm very much, um, I've always grown up in South Devon. Uh, the only time I didn't live in South Devon was when I was at university in Southampton. Um, and so I'm very, I have a very strong affinity for, for South Devon to the coastline. Um, I grew up on the river dart, um, near the mouth of the river dart and Mm -hmm. now live just further upstream, um, (laughs) on the same river. And so I feel, I, I feel very connected and I think that this is something which more and more people could draw on for their own well-being a big part of my kind of philosophy around well-being is is um connection and not just with other people but with you know the world around us and we humans are very good at separating ourselves from nature and going right this is this is humans and this is nature but really we're, Mm -hmm. we're an animal and we're part of an ecosystem and i think reminding ourselves of that can be very powerful when it comes to our own well-being um it can it can be a great stress reliever to be outside in the fresh air, um, to be around yeah. trees and water and all of that stuff. And so for me, yeah. it is that it just it's it's reconnection, um, it's time away from the the kind of stresses of everyday life and work and emails and stuff like that. 
Um, and also, if you're with friends, it's connection with other people as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's movement as well. You know, it's it's movement. And it's if you're doing an activity which requires mental stimulation, it's good as well. It's another uh, kind of area of well-being. So if you're doing something like surfing, yeah. which I mentioned earlier on, you have to be thinking about what you're doing because there's complex movement patterns. It's mm-hmm. mindfulness in its most kind of pure form because you are you have to be in the moment. Um, so yeah, nature, anything, anything in nature, whether I'm in the water, on the water, next to it, in the hills, in a forest, anything like that. That's my happy place. Amazing. You, you've made me want to go out for a walk now. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to share all this. Um, I feel like I know you better now than I did before. Uh, and yeah, it's been very, very uh, good to have you on the show. Uh, especially for our first episode. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's been a really, ni- it's been really nice to talk about something that I don't always talk a lot about. Um, it's yeah, it's nice to be able to chat about this stuff. Well, I'm glad you found it uh, interesting as well. All right. Well, thank you everyone also for listening, and uh, we'll talk about a different condition on the next episode. Bye.